And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Would like to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. All right, so before we get going, uh, two announcements. One, Tucker Carlson's people are calling me back. Uh, don't know when. I will let you know. I'll give you updates on that when it happens. But they reached out to me today talking about energy policy, Judge's comments, that sort of stuff. Uh, number two, Michael Yawn. Uh, he is accepting the interview request. We're trying to get him on for tomorrow. We're working out of time right now. Uh, he is swamped today, so he's doing what he can to get on the show tomorrow, which may or may not be affected by whatever happens with Tucker. Michael Yawn's aware of it. Uh, if you don't know who Michael Yawn is, he is the most experienced war correspondent, the best war correspondent in the world, as far as I'm concerned. But he's also been traveling with the Freedom Convoy. So I wanted to talk to him about the Freedom Convoy. I'll touch base with him a little bit about Ukraine. He hasn't gone to Ukraine yet, though I expect that he probably will in the future. All right, so those things are uh, two things for the rest of the week for you to pay attention to. And, of course, we're live streaming on Rumble, rumble.com slash Casey the Host, or on my website at theburningtruth.us. Earlier today, we were having an issue with Discord. I don't know if that is still an issue. So if you're a Discord server member, uh, there was major issues with logging in and that sort of thing that appeared to be on their end. All right, so big news today. Biden has announced a ban on Russian oil imports and other energy products. Okay, we figured that maybe this would happen because he's been getting hammered, and rightfully so. Look, you can't finance both sides of a war and then try and play politics with it. Usually when the U.S. finances both sides of a conflict, we do it clandestinely. We don't do it openly. And Biden has been doing it openly. So Biden's obviously been sending weapons and stuff like that to Ukraine, securing deals for them to get MiG-29s, which will get shot out of the sky, uh, to Ukraine. And at the same time, still importing Russian oil. Now, I am yesterday I gave you a brief history on gas prices under Biden. Today, I'm going to give you a more robust history, not a complete, but a more robust history of it at the opening of the show, because I want you, want you have to understand what they're doing. And I, I realize that the vast majority of people out there who hear, well, gas prices are only high because of Russia and Ukraine. The vast majority of people know that that's a bunch of bullcrap, but there's still a few people out there who think that gas prices weren't going up until this actually happened because they live in a world of 30 and 60 second TikToks. That's, they don't have any long-term memory. So they don't remember anything that happened beyond two minutes ago. That's how we're training our brains these days. So Biden has announced a ban on U.S. imports of Russian oil. Uh, did I or did I not say that that would probably happen based on the meetings of Venezuela yesterday? <laughs> okay. You couldn't continue to do this and take the political heat of saying, well, we have to get rid of everything Russian. You know, Visa and MasterCard can't even operate in Russia. Netflix won't operate in Russia. We're not letting Russian media broadcast in, in the United States or in Europe. Uh, but we're going to still give them a lot of money by buying their oil. Yeah, that, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Friendly reminder, and you'll get a part of this when we go through the history here. Russia became, after Biden took over, Biden increased Russian imports. Okay, He decreased domestic production and increased Russian importation and made Russia the number two supplier of oil products to the United States. Now, it used to be Canada and Mexico and Venezuela back in the day, and 
Uh, then you'd run into OPEC, and then Russia was like way down there, and now all of a sudden is Russia is number two behind Canada. So this is something that was done by this administration the moment he was put in office, and they're trying to rewrite that now. Jen Psaki lied to everybody during the show yesterday and said we're producing more oil in the United States now than we ever have. That's not true. Uh, we're producing more than we traditionally have in the Biden administration, but not more than was happening under the Trump administration, not by a wide margin. So let's let's take a look at this. Okay, yesterday you had the visit to the Venezuelans, not just by American government personnel, but also by oil executives, and that is a real concern. So you're swapping out you're swapping out Russia for Venezuela, and as we've said before, Venezuela, okay, they're no better than Russia. You could argue that they're a lot worse than Russia, and frankly, I would say that that they are a lot worse than Russia, um, but also you're going to give them money. And the logic apparently being floated by the White House is we're going to separate Caracas from Moscow. No, you're not. You're just going to fund Caracas. That's all you're going to do. You're just going to fund, you're just going to give them money. And they're going to be able to be a little bit more comfortable while they continue to sell to all of you. It's, again, none of the, none of the oil importation issue has ever helped American foreign policy with, with people. That's, that's never been a thing, but I digress. You all know that it's just for the, uh, the people out there might be new to the game. All right. Are we ready? Ready to go down the history here? Uh, well, before we do that, uh, Russia did counter now that the announcement has been made that we're going to not import any more Russian oil, at least directly. We're not going to import Russian oil. Uh, Russia has then threatened to send oil prices to $300 per barrel or higher if the West bans oil products. So there's that. Biden administration said today, be prepared for the gas prices to go up. I don't know how many of you drove by Costco today. Costco is a mess. They they had a truck refilling their fuel pumps, and I don't think that I've ever seen Costco that busy at their gas station before. Um, so pick and choose your times on when you can go and, and maybe figure out the best way to get there when there's not a lot of traffic. Cause that place was a madhouse as people are trying to get affordable gasoline right now. Then you've got Pete Buttigieg. Our former mayor is still an idiot, uh, and he still doesn't understand the real world. I don't know how else to say it. So Buttigieg basically went out there. I know that most of you probably know the story, but for those of you who don't I'm just telling you this, this came out today. Transportation Secretary Buttigieg pitches buying wildly expensive electric vehicles to save money on gasoline. You've heard liberals say this over and over and over again over the years. Pete Buttigieg is just the latest one to regurgitate this nonsense. If you can't afford the price of gasoline, then the next thing you should do is run out and buy a fifty dollars to $90,000 electric vehicle, right? That makes total sense to everybody. You can't afford 4 and $5 gasoline, but you can you know, spend seventy grand on an electric vehicle. So good luck with that. And I had to correct somebody yesterday who they're like, oh, just buy a Tesla. Well, they don't want you to buy a Tesla. The U.S. government actively is opposing you buying a Tesla. They want you to buy anything that's made by UAW workers. You'll get your tax credit if you do that, your rebate, whatever it is. You'll, they'll do it if you buy a union vehicle. You will not get that same credit if you buy a Tesla. They're actively trying to get you to not buy a Tesla right now. That's what they're doing. Now, of course, 
Electric vehicles don't make sense for a whole lot of Americans. They make sense in, in urban environments. You know, if you've got an urban environment, you got the money, yeah, an electric vehicle can do you just fine. In cold weather, they don't do very good, okay? Uh, and you go on YouTube or Rumble and just search for electric vehicle cold weather. You watch how many people have highlighted how poorly their electric vehicle performs in cold weather. They get dramatically reduced distances and range on their vehicle. And that is obviously seriously concerning, especially in big open states like Indiana, where you would assume the transportation secretary, you know, being from here would kind of understand the concept of how rural Americans may not benefit from an electric vehicle policy. But, you know, hey, if you if you can afford an electric vehicle, by all means, get an electric vehicle. But for most people who are struggling with the price of gas, they can't afford an electric vehicle. And this was a big push under Obama with hybrids. Oh, just go buy a hybrid then. If you don't like the price of gas, all you got to do is go get a hybrid. And you don't have to worry about the price of gas so much. It's not a big deal. And then, of course, what did we end up finding out through research? That if you were to buy a hybrid vehicle, which at the time they were all new, they weren't any used ones on the market. Because remember, they, they got rid of all of the affordable used vehicles with cash for clunkers to force you into newer, more uh, more miles per gallon getting vehicles. That was a really horrible grammatical way of phrasing that. But you understand what I'm saying. I have not had my energy drink yet. I'm still running on a tiny little cup of coffee. So when you go, you get rid of cash for clunkers, which gets rid of all of those classic cars, those gas guzzling used vehicles and their parts, you force people into newer vehicles with higher miles per gallon. And that of course puts people in further debt. And, but now you're getting the miles per gallon, et cetera. So that was the whole goal back then. They told you to get hybrids. What did we end up finding out? If you were to buy a hybrid back then, you would still come out on top financially just buying the more expensive gasoline under Obama. Remember that? That's what the research showed. I'm willing to bet if you do the math now, you'll still come up with the same numbers. And, of course, gas is going to go up, so that'll change and fluctuate. But the reality is you are not going to save money by spending fifty dollars to $90,000 as opposed to just getting four or five dollar gallon of gas gasoline, that's just a reality. You know, this is this is you know math, and I get it that they tell you that you can get whatever answer you want in two plus two now, but that's not how it works in the real world. You have a finite amount of resources, and if you're going to go out there because you don't like the price of gas and it's starting to really affect your wallet, you can't afford a big expensive electric vehicle. And since the United States of America will not allow the super affordable electric vehicles to be imported from countries like, I don't know, India, where you can get a ten dollars to $15,000 electric car, they won't allow those vehicles to be imported in the U.S. Why? They don't meet the safety standards of the United States. So the United States has just created a whole system where they say, we're not going to let in the affordable ones. We're just going to go ahead and allow the expensive ones. And then we're going to actively have a government program that motivates you to only buy vehicles that are made by unions that give money to the Democratic politicians and their machine and not incentivize you to buy the Tesla, the far more tried, true, and advanced version of said vehicle. Get it? This is a political machine protecting their their donors. This is the political class versus you. How many times have I said this, Josh? Political class versus all of us, right? The political class includes the donor class. It includes the media. So the donors, the unions, who give money to the Democratic political machine are getting a direct benefit from the Democratic political machine 
to incentivize you to go buy electric vehicles that are only made by the union. And then they implement policies which make it more difficult for you to keep your current vehicle and incentivize you to go do so. You think this isn't intentional? Just like the transportation crisis, as we highlighted on this show, it was an intentional crisis. So is this. All right, are you, well, you're not ready yet because I have to take commercial break. So when we come back, I'm going to give you a more expanded history on the Biden gas price issue. And all of these stories predate, they predate Russia and Ukraine, in spite of what Jen Psaki or anybody else wants you to, wants you to say. And I know there's still some of you out there like, look, we could fix this problem now. All we have to do is reopen drilling and increase supply of American oil. Yeah, but Pete Buttigieg addressed that too. I'll tell you. All right, we ready? I have 26 stories here. So a lot of you are like, well, why don't we just, Casey, we need to pressure Biden to drill and start opening the spigots of American oil again. Yeah, but they don't want to. I tried telling you this before the election. Gas prices were going to go up. It was going to be by design, just like it was by design under Obama. The Democrats throughout the Obama administration, when gas prices were going up, they were sitting there telling you that they wanted more gas taxes while the price of gas was high because it would force you into hybrids and electric vehicles. It's a plan. So when Pete Buttigieg, uh, did you know that he used to be our mayor, Josh? For the people who live on the South Bend side of town, uh, he used to be the mayor. You may not know that because he didn't do anything when he was here. <clears throat> he was asked about that. Why don't we just drill and make up the, uh, the, the loss of Russian oil? And he said, <clears throat> we're engaging in diplomacy to increase global production. We're in transformation away from oil. So he has uh, just straight up told you, yeah, we don't want to. That's why, because we're trying to transition away from oil. We don't have the infrastructure to transition away from oil, but we're trying to transition away from oil. Yeah. You know those idiots who live in high-rises in the middle of, of Main Street downtown in big cities who look at people who have Jeeps and SUVs and go, you don't ever need that? That's who Pete Buttigieg is. That's it. Everywhere he goes is like within bicycle riding distance. So you don't need to have anything other than an electric vehicle, right? I mean, forget you farmers. Do I need to remind everybody that he, although controversially, but he won Iowa. Like <laughs> he was the Midwest mayor who went to Iowa and they're like, well, at least he's from the Midwest. He might understand farming. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Okay, next. Ready? Pelosi recently just said the GOP wants people in cars on the road using gas. Democrats want more mass transit. Actually, actually, it was actually June of 2021, not recently, excuse me. So there's your mentality. What are Democrats thinking here? They don't care about the price of gas. They want the price of gas to go up. They don't want you in your car. Pelosi said it in June of last year. 
The GOP wants people in cars on the roads using gas. Democrats want mass transit. Cool. How does mass transit work in the cornfields? Anyone? You do realize like 40% of the population still lives outside of the urban environment here. And more and more people are leaving the urban environment and going into the rural environment because the urban environment, frankly, sucks. All right. You ready to go back uh, Flashback Mountain? Ready for that? Oh, Flashback Mountain would be a great ride at Disneyland. Flashback Mountain. You ready? <clears throat> the Biden nominee for commerce won't rule out a gas tax funding climate change agenda. Hmm. Okay. The U.S. will be a net importer of oil in 2022 after two years of finally being a net exporter. With oil below zero, Trump will create a strategic petroleum reserve historic buying opportunity. Trump applies the art of the deal principle to decimate crude prices. With oil prices sitting deep in the red for the first time in history. With oil prices sitting deep in the red for the first time in history. With oil prices under Trump sitting deep in the red for the first time in history. Shocking even the most seasoned energy veterans, President Trump plans to turn the financial bloodletting into an opportunity for the United States. There's just one problem. Democrats exist and they prevented it. We'll talk about that and continue this coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. MNC News Time is 3.32. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Apologize about the tardiness. I'm actually chit-chatting with Tucker Carlson's people right now. See if we can work it out uh, to where we get on. They want me on today, but we don't know if that is going to work for travel reasons. So we'll see. Uh, all right, so we're going back here. Now, I left off. We're doing the more uh, more vigorous history of oil and gas prices under Biden. Going back to the Trump administration. With oil below zero, Trump to create strategic petroleum reserve historic buying opportunity. Okay. Based on the record low price of oil, it is at a level that is very interesting to a lot of people. We're filling up our national, our national petroleum reserves, strategic reserves, and we are looking at to put as much as 75 million barrels into the reserves themselves that would top it out. That would be the first time in a long time it's been topped out, and we get it at the right price. So basically, um, what Trump was base, basically saying is, look, our strategic oil reserves are not full, but the price of oil is the cheapest it's ever been in human history, so why don't we just fill it up and then not have to worry about it ever again? During the session, West Texas Intermediate crude oil futures for May deliver cratered by 305% too. You ready for this? Negative $36.73 a barrel. They were paying you to take oil back in Trump's presidency in 2020. At a price below zero, buyers would be paid to take delivery. So Trump said... We can get paid to fill the strategic petroleum reserve. <clears throat> uh, then we have this. Oh, flashback. Democrats cut Trump's replenishment of oil reserve when prices were cheap. Hmm. Democrats prevented him from doing it. You remember that? Made all of the sense in the world. Oil was negative in price. You get paid for taking the oil. 
Trump said, let's fill up the strategic reserve, and Democrats said no. Ask yourself why that was. Another flashback. All of these now are flashbacks. CEO of oil field service business predicts that the Biden administration will be a boon to oil investors. This is day 412 of Biden's usurpation of the presidency, presidency of the United States. He and his big oil allies have been conspiring against you to raise the price of gasoline every single day. You remember how they said that about Bush? Remember Bush and his big oil allies are conspiring against you to make his oil buddies rich? Remember that? They never said that about Obama, even though the price of gas was higher under Obama than it was under Bush. And they, they're not saying it about Biden now. Congressman warns Biden oil industry transition could soon halt new plants and hike energy costs. Now, is Representative Guy Taylor from Pennsylvania. Looks like he was right. U.S. Chamber of Commerce has buyer's remorse after helping to fortify the election. Gas is up 18% since Biden took office, but that's just the beginning. This is in February of last year. And the U.S. Chamber of Commerce started to have buyer's remorse for helping Biden win. July 2021, gas prices have increased 40% under Democrat Joe Biden. Um, Newsman Josh, correct me if I'm wrong. Russia did not invade Ukraine in February of 2021, correct? Okay, so I guess the gas prices didn't start going up in, in February of 2021 because of Russia invading Ukraine. Then, of course, by July, they were up 40%. Starting to get a picture here. Biden State Department waived sanctions on Iranian oil trade, freeing up cash assets in Asia. As Biden seeks to limit U.S. oil production, reliance on Russian imports rises. Again, this is back in 2021. Federal judge blocks Biden's ban on leases for drilling for oil and gas on public lands. Got that? Still going back in time, 2021 now. Biden administration suspends oil and gas leases in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. The Biden administration freezes new oil and gas drilling leases despite a recent court-ordered injunction. Western Energy Alliance challenges Biden order pausing new oil-gas leasing on public land. Whoops, Biden's chief of staff said gas prices are falling the same day that the Bureau of Labor Statistics said the gasoline index rose 6.1%. This is, this is all like the end of 2021, guys. Before Russia, Ukraine. Let's go back to, uh, to July of last year. Amid inflation, rising gas prices, White House says 4th of July cookouts are 16 cents cheaper this year. Oh, isn't that nice of them? Gas prices hit a seven-year high of the, ahead of the uh, July 4th weekend. A seven-year high. But again, newsman Josh, you have to be my fact checker here because you're the news guy. Uh, Russia did not invade Ukraine in July of 2021, correct? Okay. All right. Just making sure. Got to have my neutral news guy here. Gas prices hit seven-year high ahead of July 4th weekend in 2021. Had nothing to do with Russia and Ukraine. John Kerry and Gina McCarthy. January of 2021. 
all of those laid off oil and gas workers will have better choices for jobs anyway. The new take on learn to code is in January 2021, where the press was like, you guys are firing a bunch of oil and gas people. You, you, you cancel the Keystone Pipeline. There's a bunch of people out of work. John Kerry, Gina McCarthy. Yeah, but they'll find better jobs now. Democrats asked the Department of Justice to help a lawyer found to have falsified science and bribed a judge to shake down oil companies. Here's the, here's the one I really want you to focus on, okay? In 2020, February of 2020, Venezuela declared an energy emergency for their oil industry. And they blamed the imperialist Americans for sabotaging their oil industry. And what are we doing now? We're negotiating with Venezuela to make up the gap with Russian oil? Isn't that interesting? And just as a friendly little reminder before we go to break here, back in 2019, California raised the gasoline tax. And then they got to $4 per gallon in gas prices. And then the governor of California demanded an investigation into why the state of California had a $4 per gallon average in gasoline. They couldn't figure out what had happened. Why is gasoline so expensive right after they raised the gasoline prices? That's how dumb they are. So when Jen Psaki and any other stupid liberal comes out and tells you, oh, this is just about... Uh, Russia and Ukraine. No, I just gave you a two-year history of it. It has been happening since January, the month that Biden stepped into the Oval Office. That month, it was up 18%. More coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Okay, it's all set. Uh, I'm going to be on Tucker Carlson tonight. They are sending a crew to me, so I, I would not be able to do the show and then get there in time because they want me there top of the show. Uh, so I, I guess I'll be one of the first ones to go on the show based on the current schedule, but keep in mind it is TV. It moves around quite a bit, and I could get bumped. You never know. Uh, so that, that will be tonight on Tucker Carlson. They are sending a crew to me. So if you watch Tucker Carlson around 8 o'clock, you should see my ugly mug on television one more time. Back to the phone lines. Crystal, welcome to the program. They want me there top of the show. Hello, Crystal. Oh, hello. Hi there. Oh, hi. Um, I think the real reason why everybody always criticizes Putin and Russia all the time is because they're insanely jealous of their size and power. They're awesome. Dwight Eisenhower even admired them. Well, I mean, the Russians are a powerful country, sure. You think that's why, though? What's she hang up for? <laughs> What's she hang up for? <laughs> that was a long time to wait just to be like, Putin's rad and everybody's jealous and I'm going to hang up. I mean. <laughs> Could have played the case a little bit. Uh, <laughs> oh, that was good. Uh, <laughs> if you're going to be a drive-by caller, you have to be entertaining. That was entertaining. That was, you know, I, I appreciate that. 
As <laughs> oh, my word. Okay. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> what do you say after that? <laughs> uh, All right. <laughs> Don't forget, you can watch the live stream, rumble.com slash Casey the host, rumble.com slash Casey the host. And you can also subscribe to the newsletter, get the daily show prep, the podcast, everything else over on the burningtruth.us. And the new website is nearing completion, it is nearly done. You know what that means? All new rebranding effort. Everything will basically be in one place. New social network if you want to participate in all of that. Bunch of cool stuff coming in the near future on all of that. Uh, but for right now, you need to sign up for that newsletter so you can get all the updates on that when it happens because that's all going to be coming here in the next month or so. So theburningtruth.us, sign up for the free newsletter. And I don't, I don't spam you. I don't hit you too hard on any of that stuff. It is... I'm pretty... People complain that I don't send enough emails. To be perfectly honest with you, And if I had an unpaid intern, I would probably send a lot more emails. But I don't have an unpaid intern yet, and we're working on it, though. See what we can get. All right, so once again, Tucker Carlson tonight. I will be on. That was just confirmed as they're sending a crew here. So unless something happens with the crew, we'll be on tonight towards the top of his show. Got more coming up. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do apologize about the hectic first hour, but, you know, sometimes these things happen kind of quick. And we're in a unique situation in that I don't believe a company here connects to the big cable news providers. There's a certain type of a line that you need to connect to them. And I know that there's some video production companies here locally, but I don't know of one that connects to... Fox and CNN and things like that. If you do, could you please send them my way? Because if this comes up in the future, it would be nice to not have to travel a couple of hours to be able to do a you know three to five minute television hit. And we'd certainly like to support a local company by getting them that contract if that would work out. But um, yeah, just because you know they want me on at the beginning of the show for Tucker Carlson, but I don't get off of the air until six. And if we don't prearrange it, the idea that I'm going to get there in time is, well, tenuous at best. So if you do know companies that will connect that way that are relatively close to here, please send them my way so that way we can get a list together and I can send it off to Fox News and they can you know, see about arranging contracts and things of that nature with them because that would help tremendously. All right. I want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. You can also find them online at rbcarcompany.com. What else do we have? An Indianapolis woman. This is a realnewsmichiana.com story. Make sure you go and subscribe at realnewsmichiana.com. 
An Indianapolis woman has made a business out of teaching extremely young children about sex. The business called Let's Talk About Sex Ed with Ashley is run by a woman named Ashley Robertson and promotes sex education for children as young as three years old. Uh, She is also promoting a sex ed summer camp for children as young as eight years old. Yeah. Any parent out there thrilled about the idea of sending your eight-year-old to a sex ed summer camp? Have you seen American Pie? Summer camp itself is already a little sketchy. Do you really want to send them to a sex ed summer camp? What could go wrong? What could go wrong with a sex ed summer camp for eight-year-olds? Huh? In a recent flyer posted to her social media accounts, Robertson is charging parents of third and fifth graders, third to fifth graders, third to fifth graders, $250 a week. Oh, wait, for a week-long sex ed summer camp. So for $250, you can send your 8-year-old to a sex ed camp for a week. What parent would possibly consider doing that? I'm, I'm genuinely asking. I'm asking as a parent who's had pedophiles call my daughters over walkie-talkies what parent would send their eight-year-old off to a week-long sex ed camp and pay 250 dollars for a bunch of adults to talk to their eight-year-old about sex ed what parent would ever do that i'm not saying that ashley and the people that she's hiring are dangerous to children i don't know but i don't know a single sane parent in the world that would take that risk On the page, Robertson has pictures of content that most adults would consider too mature for children. In one picture, she posts a note from a middle schooler that she's been teaching. What is a, and I can't say it, Josh, what is they uh, a specific adult novelty item? The child asks. In the caption, Robertson says that she is answering all of their honest questions. Uh, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm sure that like a little kid came up with that. I'm sure they, they totally, yeah, yeah. I'm sure a little child came up with the, the idea. Do any of you hang out with like, you know, eight-year-old kids on a regular basis? Cause I do having a nine-year-old. I've got, I've got them around the house all the time. None of them speak this way. They don't speak this way when they're playing video games together. They don't speak this way at all. To speak this way, they have to be coached or, dare I say, groomed to speak a certain way by a grown-up at that age. This is not a natural process for an 8-year-old kid or whatever age this child is, based on the handwriting, looks younger than 8, to ask about a very specific adult novelty item. What is that? And why does mommy and daddy keep talking about it? Unlikely. No, but I I don't believe for a second that this is just a natural occurrence. Robertson also claims to be working with the School for Community Learning when answering these questions. In another post, Robertson has a picture of what looks like a prepubescent child who has a condom over her head. Are you comfortable with condoms? What is the only way to get comfortable with the unknown, exposure, 
and practice. Why do you need a prepubescent child to know about protection? What is the, what's the logical reasoning behind that? Now, we talk about this an awful lot on the show. What's the logical reasoning behind something? Can you take a step back without your visceral reaction to something? Can you take a step back and find the logic in it? So what is the logic with teaching a child who is pre-puberty about sexual protection? What is the logic there? How is that beneficial to them or their lives or their existence at that age? There comes a time, obviously, where this discussion has to happen. The point is, why does it have to happen at such a young age? If not to normalize the behavior so as to allow them to enter into it a little bit earlier and be a little bit more accepting of it. Why do we keep finding so many pedophiles in rings like this? And I'm not accusing this woman of being one. I don't know anything about her. But in the 16 years that I have been doing this job, why do I constantly have to cover stories about child family judges and child family lawyers and camp counselors and teachers and daycare providers? Why is it that I consistently have to tell you these stories about people who proclaim to be protectors of children and just being looking out for the, the special interests of kids? Why is it that there's so many predators amongst them? And why is it that they all seem to push for the same things? It's almost like there's a pattern. You know, part of the reason that I tell you some of the stories about my kids that I tell, because a lot of you parents out there obviously relate to that because you've gone through that. But I also tell those stories for the benefit of younger people out there who don't have kids yet. Because these are questions that come up with your first child. When do we have this conversation with them? And you can have healthy conversations about some of these topics with younger kids. You can. Is putting a condom on a young child who has not gone through puberty yet, is that going to help them in any way, shape, or form? Is that beneficial to them or their upbringing in any way, shape, or form? That's the question you have to ask yourself. I think that most of you are probably listening to this right now and going, no. And let's be honest, um, this is more, I guess, a question for the guys, but also to a lesser extent for you ladies out there. How long did it take you to learn about condoms, guys? When, when you were first presented with it, how long? What was the learning curve on figuring out what they were and how they operate? What was the learning curve on that? Maybe two minutes? Maybe? So what's, what's the benefit then of teaching a prepubescent child about them and how to use them and have them demonstrate how to use them? What could the healthy, logical reason behind that be? I can think of several unhealthy reasons, but I'm trying to find the one singular logical reason why that might actually be a legitimate course of instruction for a prepubescent child. 
Of course, they teach some of them about, um, you know, STDs and STIs and all of that stuff. You know, this is... I need to have Tony Kinnett back on to talk about this, too. Um, I know that... I know that this is at realnewsmichiana.com right now. This is a teacher in Indianapolis, guys. This is here in our state. And gals. Okay, Some people are weirded out by that. This is happening in our state right now. There is a book in the Penn School System right now that goes into graphic depictions of drug abuse for young kids, okay, pre-high school. And I know that there's going to be some people who say, all right, that, that makes sense, you know, for, because of what happens at certain ages, maybe, maybe not, depending on the content of the book. Some of the content in this particular book, I would argue, probably doesn't belong in a classroom as young as they're in right now in the Penn school system. Could I see them for high school? Probably, with parental permission. I know that some parents disagree with me on that. That's fine. You know... This Ashley Robertson person also runs a workshop called Potty Training and Early Sex Education. So you just kind of mix it all together? Oh, it's just potty training and stuff. Oh, and then we're going to teach your nine-year-old how to put a condom on. Okay. Again, what logic does that make? Sex ed at that age is knowing their body, how to care for their body, how to properly clean their body. That's what sex ed is back then. And also letting them know that when certain people tell you certain things or try to do certain things, like touch you in an inappropriate way, you need to notify somebody you trust. That's what sex education should be for an eight-year-old. Not talking to them about sex toys and condoms and demonstrating how to put them on. All under the guise of normalizing it. And again, I don't know anything about this lady. I don't know if she's a predator or not. But I can tell you that the patterns of behavior with these programs over and over and over again are the same exact patterns of behavior that we always found with predators in the past. And I don't think that that's a quinky dink. More coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Don't forget, you can watch the live stream, rumble.com slash Casey the host, rumble.com slash Casey the host. Okay, what's, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. There's a story that I'm not doing yet, but the headline of it just cracks me up every time I see it. I can't wait to tell you that story. I really can't, but. Um, I do want to talk about this pharmaceutical study, uh, not study, but story, and I'm going to cover another aspect of the pharmaceutical industry, which kind of ties into a running gag on the live stream. Uh, we we certainly love on the live stream, we praise uh, quite frequently, we, we praise the benefits of the most amazingest 
pharmaceutical company ever in the history of pharmaceutical companies, Pfizer. Uh, and then, of course, we play the montage of all of the news programs that are paid for and brought to you by Pfizer. So it gives you kind of an idea of what we're going to talk about a little bit later on. Some of you already know the story, but this is the one that I really wanted to focus on. This is over at American Greatness, Eric Lindrum. Big Pharma funds, quote, studies by radical transgender activists encouraging transition procedures for children. Now, as most of you know, I don't care if you're trans. I've got trans listeners. We've had trans listeners at many of my events, okay? And some of you haven't even known. But there, I have no issue with it. My issue is with abusing kids. That becomes my issue. My, my issue is where you're trying to force people to do things that they don't want to do. And if conversion therapy, okay? Now, conversion therapy is the, the therapy with various techniques to convert you from being gay to being straight. And that is widely decried by these activist groups in the United States and in the Western world as being inhumane. Now, conversion therapy should never be forced upon a child, but if an adult chooses to go through conversion therapy, I support the adult going through conversion therapy. If they're gay and they're not happy and they want to be straight and they think conversion therapy can help them, I think it's entirely on them to fund it, pay for it, go through the process if they want to. It's none of your business. It's none of my business. But there's an active effort to ban conversion therapy because it's seen as inhumane. It's been called torture. Why is it that we can't have conversion therapy, but you can cut a child open, change their sex organs, and pump them full of hormone blockers and change their entire physiology before they completely comprehend what the process is? So a voluntary procedure from an adult is not good, but surgical procedures that are irreversible, that's okay for a child? That doesn't make any sense. And there was a Stanford University study that was published which shows that pharmaceutical companies who make the drugs, who make the hormone therapy, who make the tools involved for this, this conversion are actively funding partisan, well not partisan, biased studies promoting conversion for children because, of course, it makes pharmaceutical companies a lot more money. I'm going to put it in the Daily Show prep today. I encourage you to read it. we got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michigan's News Channel, MNC News Time, 431. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Oh, man, there's a new story being spun about Snake Island. This is interesting. And the good news is we do not have any Russian media in the United States to confirm nor rebuff the claim. So here's here's the flashback. Remember Snake Island. This is an island in the Ukraine where 13 brave Ukrainian soldiers told a Russian naval vessel to go bleep itself. And then they all died. Only they didn't. They, they were taken prisoner, and there wasn't 13. There was like 82 of them. And who was it that showed the entire world that they weren't killed? Because remember, they were talking about posthumously awarding them the title of hero and all of that stuff. And 
Uh, T-shirts, which are still being sold, by the way. The T-shirts with go bleep yourself with the Ukrainian flag are all over the Internet because everybody's going to capitalize on all of this. None of that money is going to go help the Ukrainians, by the way. Um, we end up finding out through Russian media that the story was not true, that it was a fake story. We even had the live stream of the, the Ukrainian soldiers on Snake Island as they were in their positions as the Russian ship fired at them. And then the live streams all stopped. Remember that? We talked about that on the show. Live streams stopped and we didn't hear anything from them. So here's the latest weirdness on this. And you need to understand something. And everything coming out of Ukraine at this point in time is propaganda on all sides. You have, you have to be careful. All right, you have to. Um, I know that they're talking about Russia shooting these civilians in corridors and things of that nature. There's been some examples of that. There's also examples of the Russians refusing to fire on civilians who are threatening them. And we have shown some of those videos in the early show. For those of you who watched the early show on Rumble, I've shown you videos of Ukrainians protesting and going at Russian soldiers and the Russian soldiers using warning shots to get them away, but not firing on the crowd, not killing anybody. And as we have highlighted before, if you look at the way that the tactics are playing out in most parts of the country, although there are clearly examples of Russians attacking civilians, in most parts of the country, they are doing their best to avoid civilian casualties. And the Western media, of course, doesn't want that narrative out there. This is, they want to demonize the Russians as they're going there indiscriminately killing everybody. There are situations where that is happening. We've all seen the Russian vehicle that ran over the Ukrainian car who's trying to flee the city. And that uh, elderly woman somehow miraculously survived being crushed in that car. Very compelling video. Um, there are certainly circumstances where civilians are also taking up arms and then, you know, they're in civilian areas and the Russians are forced to attack those areas. That has to be factored in as well. All I'm trying to get you to do is to understand we have a fog of war here. And the media coverage that is being approved in the West is only from a pro-Ukrainian perspective. And a lot of the pro-Ukrainian perspective is lying about the Russian actions over there. So you have to keep that in mind when you're looking at anything that's coming out. So we've got a new story about Snake Island. And this is on FoxNews.com. So the new story on Snake Island is that the Ukrainian soldiers who did not die in, an, in a bombardment from the Russian Navy, but instead were taken prisoner. There's not 13, there's like 80 or something like that. They, um, they actually attacked the ship and set fire to the ship. Don't laugh, Josh. We already have the Ukrainian government acknowledging that they were captured. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry. What? Okay. Here we go. Initially, Ukrainian authorities believed all 13 Snake Island defenders were killed in the ensuing bombardment, and President Zelensky said that they would all be posthumously honored as national heroes. But the Ukrainian Navy later said that it had discovered all of them were captured alive by Russian forces. Where did that story came, come from? Sputnik News. Sputnik News published the photos and said the Western media is telling you that we killed these guys. We didn't. 
They've been taken prisoner. They're all alive, and they've been transferred to the Baltic Fleet. I shared the story on my social media. Video shared by the Ukrainian Navy on Monday showed a nighttime rocket barrage, which soldiers described as holiday fireworks, blasting off from the waterfront city of Odessa before a distant target lights up in flames. Units of the Marines and the Naval Forces, the Armed Forces of Ukraine, defending the Odessa region, hit an enemy ship. Uh, the enemy retreated again. So in the clip, soldiers can be heard speaking in Ukrainian after the launch. Did we get it? One asks, according to the translation of the video. I don't see it yet. The other replies. Look, we got the warship. The first man replies, it's on fire. They then celebrate a direct hit with some profanity. We bleeping hit them before one of them repeats the Snake Island Defenders famous line, Russian ship, go bleep yourself. Now, the vessel that was struck has been identified as the Vasily Baikov, the name, the same one that had demanded the Ukrainian troops to surrender, according to the London-based newspaper, The Times. Okay. Now, again, just keep in mind, and I've told you before, the Ukrainians have had success. They really have. We've been hi- have we are not, have not been highlighting that the entire time, right, Josh? The Ukrainian military has had success against the Russians, but now you're at a point where everything that comes out of there that is from a pro-Ukrainian perspective, you've got to take through a lens of is this BS or not? Because a lot of it has been, and. Unfortunately, what that does is it paints a false perspective for you, so you don't really know what's going on. And it also, it diminishes the actual gains that Ukrainians have made. And I know that Zelensky spoke to the UK uh, Parliament, got a standing ovation from from the British and everything else here uh, today, but we don't know the extent of the damage. Uh, But apparently, this is being presented as a separate incident involving the same island and the same ship. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I'm not just, I'm just letting, I'm just telling, I'm passing this on to you. Okay. So the Ukrainian narrative now is the ship that killed the 13 people on Snake Island, but didn't actually kill the 13 on Snake Island, but took them prisoner. Instead, uh, revenge has been visited upon that ship because now Ukrainians in Odessa have set that ship on fire by launching a missile at it. Is it possible that they did? Sure. Absolutely. 100% possible. But you've got to take everything with a grain of salt now, especially considering everything that's happened around Snake Island. Uh, most of it's been fake news uh, at this point. So just just keep that in perspective. Uh, so this appears to be two separate incidents, not the same one, because some people portraying it that way. Two separate incidents as a revenge story is how this is being spun. Uh, we also have learned that Poland has gotten the green light to send their uh, retired and decommissioned MiG-29 Fulcrums to Rammstein Air Base in Germany to be delivered to the Ukrainians somehow, some way. I don't know what that looks that looks like exactly, but can I take a minute and can I please address? I feel like I need to. And I don't relish this, okay? I don't relish this. I don't like this. I don't want this to turn into a Casey's attacking Sean Hannity thing because I'm not. But I think that Sean Hannity has illustrated the the exact reasons why, so is Lindsey Graham and others, the exact reasons why you let war fighting stay with war fighters and not civilians. We've got this big convoy outside of Kiev, right? 
Russian convoy. Everybody can see it. It's all over the satellites. The drones can see it and everything else. And was it two days ago, I think, Sean Hannity said, oh, why doesn't some NATO country just, like, I don't know, use planes or drones or something and destroy them and then just not take credit and the Russians will never know? I'm sorry, what? The Russians aren't a third world army. They might be a generation behind us, but they're not a third world army. The Russians have very sophisticated radar. The Russians, uh, let me ask you this question, okay? For those of you who are like, yeah, go get, because I know that there are people out there who just, let's take out the, the, the column, let's take them out, Kiev will be saved, it'll set the Russians back, the Russians will never know it was NATO or us or whoever did it, especially if you use drones, okay? None of you know anything about warfare. If you're in that camp, right now, I guarantee you, if there is a veteran near you who served in any recent form whatsoever in the military, look at them and go, does that sound practical to you? I guarantee you they're going to say, no, listen to Casey, that's not practical. Where are you going to launch those aircraft from? Where are you going to launch those drones from? Anyone? Where are you going to launch them from? When you do launch them, do you think the Russians with their airborne radar and their ground radar and everything else that they have watching Western Europe, do you think maybe the Russians will pick up on what aircraft are taking off from where? You know that we can identify the type of aircraft in the air, right? You know that we can do that. So can they. We know where the drones are, for crying out loud. America has drones flying over Ukraine right now. The Russians know it. We know it. Everybody else knows it. Do you think maybe that Putin would see that? So the only other option is to fly them from inside of Ukraine and pretend that they're Ukrainian, right? Well, how do you get the aircraft from NATO into Ukraine and have NATO pilots take off from, I don't know, Ukrainian air bases or highways or something like that without the Russians knowing? They have complete and total air superiority. How do you do that? And I can appreciate the sentiment that people like Hannity have of wanting to help the people of Ukraine. I can appreciate that. Nothing that was said in that segment is realistic or based in any sound logic at all. None of it. And nothing that Lindsey Graham said is based in sound logic. You've got to be very, very careful about this type of rhetoric. And I know that it's easy to do because he's... A radio host and he's not actually in the military the government or something like that but you know what what good comes from that have to ask i mean what good comes from from talking like that i got news for you the russians will see it a mile away well not <laughs> figured miles away <laughs> they will know where the aircraft came from who's flying the aircraft what type of aircraft it was and where they returned to and there's nothing you can do about it and if an attack happens where they can't decipher what aircraft it is well then it's probably a stealth aircraft cool who flies stealth aircraft anyone <laughs> more coming up 95.3 mnc do me a favor and let them know that i sent you not <laughs> Yeah, do them a favor and let them know that, that I sent you. Yeah, it's sorry, guys. <laughs> that way. Don't you know who I am? I haven't told that story in a long time. I feel like I have to retell that periodically just so people understand where it comes from. Because 
most of you who meet me know that I don't have an ego, but I love pretending that I do because it irks people so much. Um, but I like poking fun at people in my business who do have that ego because it's just hysterical to watch them lose their minds over it. Anyway, we ran a little bit late in the last segment. We got more coming up. New Stock 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. We're going to go over some January 6th updates, have a conviction, have another story to tell. Uh, we'll also get into this alleged plot to assassinate John Bolton, which has some holes in it. We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, yeah, it's again, it's it's getting to the point where you can't trust anything being told to you, and until actual evidence is presented, I kind of don't believe anything anymore. And you, you'd be wise to be in that same camp, but I know that many of you are not. Some proclaim to be until a story fits their narrative, and then, of course, they're not in that camp anymore. So we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll dive into it here in just a little bit and let you decide. Anyway, I want to thank R&B Car Company. Again, they have locations in South Bend and Warsaw and others around the state. Go to rbcarcompany.com. Take a look at their inventory. I know it's tax return time for a lot of you, and a lot of people use that as down payment. That would be a perfect opportunity for you to go check out the special offers at R&B Car Company. Once again, online, rbcarcompany.com. Please let them know that I sent you. Okay, we'll just start off with the first story. Uh, Capital Rider Guy Reffitt has been convicted. Is the first January 6th trial. This is the first conviction. It did not take long, only a few hours of deliberation. Uh, there's already a, an appeal process underway, from what I understand. The jury found Capitol writer Guy Reffitt guilty on Tuesday in the first trial stemming from the January 6th. Uh, the Business Insider calls it insurrection, but Business Insider is wrong because it's obviously not an insurrection. Uh, so anyway, this caps a week-long court proceeding in which prosecutors painted the Texas man as a significant on-the-ground leader of the pro-Trump mob. The jury convicted Reffitt on each of the five counts that he faced, including obstruction of an official proceeding and bringing a handgun to the Capitol grounds. So should we should we go over the five counts? I I, I guess we probably should. Uh, let's see if any of them are insurrection. Uh, count one, civil disorder. Okay, that's that's not insurrection. Uh, count two, obstruction of an official proceeding and aiding and abetting. Okay, that's 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 not. Um, count three, entering and remaining in a restricted building or grounds with a deadly or dangerous weapon. Okay, that's not that's not insurrection. Uh, count four, civil disorder again. Hmm. Uh, what's count five? Obstruction of justice, hindering communication through physical force or threat of physical force. Oh, so once again, no insurrection charges. That's so weird considering it's supposed to be an insurrection. Come on, business insider. You can do better than that. No, you can't because you're, you're a business insider. Uh, so anyway, <clears throat> so they convicted him on all five counts, which none of which are insurrection, by the way. 
including obstruction of an official proceeding, which was the certification of the votes and bringing handgun on the Capitol grounds. Uh, jurors also found him guilty of civil disorder and a charge that he threatened his children to keep them from reporting him to law enforcement. Guilty verdict came after less than four hours of deliberation, punctuated a trial that featured testimony from Reffitt's teenage son and current and former Capitol police officers who recounted their desperate attempts to stop the mob's advance on January 6th. We already know that many of those Capitol officers have lied under oath before Congress, so I wouldn't be surprised if many of them lied in this trial too, but that doesn't diminish the fact that there was actual violence there. Uh, judge uh, set Ruffett sentencing for 10 a.m. on June 8th, and in the meantime, he will remain jailed, of course, because mass shooters can get out. He can't. They walked into a federal building with a handgun, you notice that he wasn't actually accused of anything violent. You'll notice that. Let's let's recount these five counts again, shall we? So he was charged with five counts here. Civil disorder. Ah, you could say yeah, civil disorder something like that. But he wasn't hit with assault or attempted murder or anything like that. Obstruction of an official proceeding. Entering and remaining in a restricted building with a deadly weapon. Uh, civil disorder again. Obstruction of justice and hindering communication. Wasn't hit with assault, wasn't hit with battery, wasn't hit with attempted murder or anything of that nature. So just, I'm not defending the guy. I'm just pointing out the narrative of, oh, he's an insurrectionist and this is all violent and horrible. Well, he, he wasn't accused of any of that. So it's kind of interesting that they didn't really highlight that in the article, don't you think? Remember what I said yesterday's early stream? I really need you to go watch that. Go to my uh, Rumble, rumble.com slash Casey the host. Watch yesterday's show. Because I pointed out some very disturbing things about the media coverage of Ukraine and how Western media is lying about a lot of people. And I gave you receipts for those lies. And also how Wikipedia is being used to lie about said people. Because the narrative has to be shifted. And the news media has done this to conservatives and Republicans forever. They're doing it to Trump supporters. They're doing it to the January 6th people. You know, oh, this is a violent insurrection. And all of these police officers testified about all of the violence that they dealt with and everything else. It's okay, but this guy wasn't charged with any of that. Isn't that interesting? And look how long it took to get the first trial for crying out loud. So he faces the potential for of years in prison will likely be credited for the year that he's already served behind bars. Uh, certainly should be. Uh, prosecutors and Ruffett's defense lawyer have a May 25th deadline to file sentencing recommendations, which we don't have yet. Okay, So there's that case. Now, here's the other one. January 6th defendant being illegally detained locked up more than 80 days with no indictment yet. You don't see this very often in federal court, but one of the January 6th defendants, Lucas Denny, is being held illegally. He was arrested in Texas on December 13th of 2021. He was brought before a federal magistrate who ordered him detained without bond on a criminal complaint. Once again, we've had several mass shooters, including a mass school shooter, who was released within a day of turning himself in, posting bail. We've got a Black Lives Matter activist who attempted to assassinate a mayoral candidate here a few weeks ago. He is out on bail. 
But Refit, who's not accused of killing anybody or attempting to kill anybody or any actual violence whatsoever, must remain behind bars. He's already been behind bars for a year. He must re- remain behind bars until his sentencing on June 8th. Because he's such a danger to society. But the teenager who walked into a school and shot four people isn't a danger to society. The Black Lives Matter activist who attempted to assassinate somebody in politics that he didn't like is not a danger to society. But this guy is. And this other guy, Lucas Denny, who was arrested on December 13th of 2021, he's being detained. He has no bond on a criminal complaint. It then took six weeks to transfer him to D.C. where he's currently being held. I would like to point out that the U.S. Marshals have uncovered abuses by authorities of January 6th detainees. And some of them have been ordered to be released because of that abuse. News media doesn't want to cover that. Now, it's okay if you want people who engaged in violence on January 6th to be behind bars. I get that. But let's not pretend that our legal system is in any way, shape, or form behaving reasonably when it comes to these protesters and some rioters. When you start looking at mass public shooters who are supposed to be public enemy number one in this country literally getting let out on bond 24 hours after they turned themselves in and they shot four people in a school. They can get out. These guys are too dangerous to get out. They're not allowed to get out. So anyway, Lucas Denny has not appeared before a federal judge in D.C. since his arrival in D.C., although that will change on Monday afternoon as a result of his lawyers seeking his release. Denny's case involves two distinct major screw-ups. The first is that he was not afforded a preliminary hearing to which he is entitled under the federal rules for criminal procedure in in the Constitution. And the second is that he has not been indicted by a grand jury within 30 days of his arrest as required by the Federal Speedy Trials Act. Consequently, Denny's detention has been unlawful since at least late January of 2022. Now, where is the news media on this? See, they're okay with it. That's the thing. They're okay with it. I'm going to get into something else here because Dan Bongino said something that I told you weeks ago and people are responding to it on the political left and they're reacting exactly how you would expect them to react. So the Department of Justice alleges that Denny participated in the riot on January 6th in 2021 in Washington, D.C. at the Capitol. It charged Denny with five felonies, assaults, civil disorder, and obstruction of an official proceeding and with seven trespassing misdemeanors. They've accused him of more crimes than Refit was just convicted of. And more serious crimes than Refit was just convicted of. And yet they haven't indicted him with a grand jury? He hasn't been giving a hearing yet? He was arrested in December of last year? An arrest warrant was issued for him in December 2021 based on a criminal complaint sworn out by law enforcement officer, uh, not on an indictment returned by a grand jury. So, again, he was arrested in Texas. He's been held illegally since then. And the, his lawyers are moving for him to be removed. Let go. Not removed. Let go. Released. So, news media not doing you any favors, folks. You gotta, I, I know that you're not surprised by any of this, but it is important to get these things out because the news is all over. Oh, yeah, Guy Reffitt was convicted of the insurrection on January 6th. He wasn't charged with anything like that wasn't charged with any violence. Yeah, he was charged for having a gun at the Capitol. 
civil disobedience, but he wasn't charged with assault. He wasn't charged with attempted murder or murder or anything of those na- those natures. I mean, nothing, you know, horrendously awful. But they're going to pump this story up, but they're not going to pump up the story that broke on basically the same day. This is a story from yesterday about this guy being illegally detained. News media didn't do anything on the federal marshal service finding out that January 6th protesters were being abused in custody or that the warden who was accused of abusing them is a rabid anti-Trump activist. Do you think maybe that had something to do with their abuse? Let me put it another way. If you had a prison where the population was 60 or 70% African-American, do you think it might be a big deal if the warden ended up being a grand dragon with the KKK? Do you think that might upset some people? Probably so, right? They've been lying to you about what happened on January 6th. They've been engaging in the cover-up with the Capitol on January 6th. They've been highlighting these Capitol police officers who have been caught red-handed lying under oath on January 6th. Joe Biden just the other day once again lied and said five police officers were killed on January 6th. Multiple people who did die, who are Trump supporters, the authorities lied about their cause of death on January 6th. Why do you think the federal government doesn't want the surveillance footage released from the Capitol on January 6th? Why do you think they keep fighting the release of that footage when it's the defendants who want the footage released? The defendants who allegedly are on camera doing all these heinous things are the ones that are asking for the video to be released, while the government, who wants to prove their case against the defendants, don't want the physical evidence against the defendants released to the public? Why do you think that is? Because every time it comes out, we find Capitol Police opening the doors and letting them in, and we find them not engaging in violence, and we find them not engaging in fisticuffs or anything of that nature in some of the areas of the Capitol. Obviously, some areas, that was a different story. That's why. But just keep in mind, I mean, they've been, this guy has been detained since December of last year. Refit, who was was convicted today, has been behind bars for a year. And he will have to remain behind bars until he's sentenced on June 8th. And he is not accused of any violent criminal activity. But we've had an assassin, an attempted assassin, He's out on bail. We've got a mass school shooter who shot four people out on bail 24 hours later. But this guy's a bigger threat to society. Sure he is. You know exactly what's going on. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I've been warning you about what we're seeing with the cancelization cancelization of Russia. Good God. I'm going to do great on Tucker Carlson tonight, Josh. I'm going to do fantastic. I haven't been able to say a single sentence correctly today. If you want to see me embarrass myself, tonight, 8 o'clock, I'll be on Tucker Carlson. (laughs) So anyway... I told you to be aware that what is being done against Russia right now 
is a testing of a whole new strategy by, and I, I cringe every time I say this word, but there isn't another word for it right now, the globalists, and they will use it against you. Now, they've already done it domestically against conservatives and anti-war liberals, but they're expanding it now, and they're, they're basically using it on a global scale against Russia, Russians, and anything Russian, okay? But they will use it against you. This is, this is the proving grounds, the testing grounds of this strategy. And Dan, bon, Dan Bongino uh, went on Fox News yesterday and reiterated that point that I have been making to you for some time now about uh, you know Visa and MasterCard denying their services to tens of millions of Russians simply because of, of who they're associated with, being Vladimir Putin and everything else, on the whole Ukrainian thing. And he mentioned this. Now, here's the thing. A bunch of leftists who, again, do not realize that once this system is in place, it will be used against them too. They think that it's going to just be used against other people. And it's just going to be used against their enemies. No, it will be used against them. And then they're going to pitch a fit, scream and cry about it, and we're going to say, yeah, well, welcome to the club. We told you it was going to happen. So a bunch of people took to social media to say that they hope Dan Bongino is right and that they do start using these things against conservatives and Republicans and libertarians because they want them censored. They want them kicked out of the financial marketplace. They want them to be ostracized by society. Remember, they don't just hate your ideas. They hate you. They hate you. You have to keep that in perspective. But none of them realize they're setting themselves up. They're not that bright. MNC News Time is 531. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. Yeah, guys, the days of men having the boring doping wedding band, wedding band is, uh, that's done. They finally take wedding bands serious for men now. So <laughs> do yourself a favor. And get one that you are going to enjoy for the rest of your life. So there is an alleged plot. I know that Bongino has been talking about this the past couple of days. I've held off. I want to take a look at it. Um, There's an alleged plot to assassinate John Bolton and others by Iran. The problem is, and this is where I just don't believe anything anymore. I'm, I'm just naturally skeptical of everything. I'm a cynic, okay? The Biden administration is not releasing any information on it. They're just saying, oh, yeah, the Iranians have a plot. This happens at the exact same time that there's a nuclear negotiation happening with Iran. This, it, it's just, I don't know, folks. This is all very strange. The timing is suspect. The timing, I'm not saying that it isn't real. I'm just saying that I need a little bit more evidence of it to be perfectly honest with you. And I find it very suspicious that the Biden administration is not releasing any information on it. You know, anytime the government is hiding things, but telling you something is happening, I think that you have to be, you know, suspicious of it. You know, how many times have we heard, oh, the Russians have done this. And I'm, ta- I'm not talking about Ukraine, but the Russians have done this. And when you ask for any evidence whatsoever, they don't provide you any. And then it turns out two years later that the story was complete and total trash. It wasn't real. It's not just Trump-Russia collusion. It's several stories, including the DNC server. We now know that the Russians did not hack the DNC server. It was a lie. All of this, it's just, you got to take it with a grain of salt. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm not saying it's not a real plot, but just be careful with these things.
All right. Approaching the end of the show, friendly reminder, I will be on Tucker Carlson tonight at 8 o'clock. They said that I should be at the top of the show. Uh, so that all can change, but look for me on Tucker tonight. More coming up, News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. tonight tucker carlson for some reason they invited me back i don't know why but they invited me back and here's the thing they're going out of their way this time they're sending a crew to me so unless something happens with the crew and they can't make it i will be on tucker carlson tonight tonight at eight because the show is tucker carlson tonight tonight at eight o'clock that i'm supposed to be at the top of the show that changes sometimes so i don't know how long people are like you're gonna get more than like two minutes this time I told you last time, a lot of these TV hits are like three minutes. Who knows, man? We'll see. <laughs> we'll do our best to get some more time, and, and hopefully I'll do you proud. But it's always nice to just be invited back. They're good people over there. And um, most of you know, when it comes to the Fox lineup, I appreciate Tucker Carlson's perspective the vast majority of the time. So it's always nice to be invited. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Make sure you go to theburningtruth.us. Get the daily show prep, the podcast. Uh, we podcast every single show. And we, we also put the daily show prep up there nearly every single day. You can also sign up for the free newsletter. And that newsletter will keep you up to date on events. Got news for you. Warm weather's coming, which means I'm going to be out and about a lot more in the near future. So you can come hang out with me at various places and ask me all of your relationship questions. And I can give you all your relationship advice. Or you can just ask me about politics and the news like you usually do. Switch it up sometimes. It might be nice. Tucker Carlson tonight at 8. Here's Bill O'Reilly. See you tomorrow.